Welcome to the New Hope Sermon of the Week. We hope you are encouraged by this message by Pastor Tom Sturgis. Hebrews chapter 1. If you are here and new today and you're looking at this and you say, what, what, what's all this opinion stuff? I have not gone into great detail about why I chose the word opinion, and I won't this morning. I will, and you're going to hear about that in just a couple weeks, but why that word became the word. And there are three or four specific reasons. I sent this list without qualification or without any explanation to five uh, Ph.D. active theologians teaching in seminary. Uh, one has a Ph.D. in biblical history and a minor in the languages. One is a Hebrew a scholar. Uh, the other teaches systematic theology, and the other one, blah, blah, blah. When I sent it to him, I said, I'm, I'm, I'm not sending any explanation, I'm, I, although I feel I can defend these biblically, theologically, and linguistically. I'm just sending them to you. Well, the response from them to, to me individually was just really an affirmation of the path we're headed down to say that you just, uh, that, that will be suffice. That will suffice this morning. But Hebrews chapter 1, <clears throat> uh, verses 1 and 2. Let's go back there. Thank you. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, or through the prophets, if you will, in many portions, go back. I didn't finish that. <laughs> You're too good. Portions and in many ways. In these last days has spoken to us through in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through also through whom also he made the world. Um, I'm going to ask you for another one. I said I wasn't. I, I promise this is where I'll stop, and then we'll get to the teaching at hand. Could you be finding John chapter one verses one through four while I'm talking about this? John, the Gospel of John, man, the chapter one verses one through four. Listen. Hebrews chapter 1 and 2 said God spoke in a lot of ways through days of old. But the final statement, the final statement. Now, since last week, I've added five or six and modified some others. Let me just give you a glance. We're gonna, we're, you're gonna, these will be available to you every week for a long time. Look at the back page, redemption, redeeming my life. Redemption is God offering a final opinion on his opinion through the cross of Jesus Christ. Now... Do you see that it said God spoke long ago through prophets? God spoke, and another passage says he spoke through angels. But the final thing he said was spoken through his son, Jesus Christ. The final statement God makes is through Jesus Christ. Now, uh, again, my wife, I, I, with Brenda, I stood on the back of the stage and I said, i got to work so hard not to say things. And... I'm not doing as well as I thought, but I'm going to be okay, okay? Uh, because I have really restrained it for weeks in order to get some things out there first. But this whole concept of, of opinion is deeply rooted in, in the Bible, and, and it just has exploded on my heart for other reasons. But let, let me give you a snapshot here, John chapter 1. Remember when it says... He said, God spoke finally through his son, through whom he made the world. Everybody is aware then at creation when God said, let there be the, the, the living word was there while God was speaking the word. Okay, John chapter 1. Let's just have fun here for a moment. And by the way, for those of you who may be visiting or you're here and you're a teacher or student of scripture and you've studied the term logos and all of that, I get that. This is poetic liberty. I'm not looking to establish reestablish or argue against creed of 1500 years of orthodoxy okay here we go in the beginning was what word do you think i would want to stick in there yeah in the beginning was the opinion and the opinion was with god and the opinion was god you see because what you're going to see and learn in these next several weeks and even months is when I talk about the opinion of God, I'm talking about the Word of God. And ultimately, you'll see the last thing listed on there is worship. Worship is the point that we discover God's opinion is not just another opinion because the disruption, listen to me, that happened in the Garden of Eden was when the serpent, the devil, Revelation identifies him as the devil, slithered in and convinced them to listen to him and to suggest that God's word to them was just another opinion that should be entertained alongside his opinion. We are going to be 
doing this. My prayer daily, I mean this like never before, is, Father, burn this on our heart to where when we go home and we speak with our wives and husbands and our children, we begin to put those words, and listen, on our lips, not in a way that we beat people up or beat people down, but we turn and just look them in the face and say, I just don't think that's God's opinion. You don't do it to be to fight. Look, look at me. You don't do it to be religiously smug and condescending. You don't do it in a moment to beat someone up when they've just messed up and at their worst moment. And now you come flying in in your raiment of white, totally righteous and unspotted to offer the word of God while you hover slightly above the ground, about eight inches off the ground. And that's really not God's opinion of you. You see, that's exactly what the Pharisees did. Exactly what the Pharisees did. They spoke the word of God with a twist that according to Jesus didn't invite people in. It locked them out. Now you can do that if you want, but God forbid you do. And that is God's opinion. But I mean that. What would happen if we begin to burn these things and we sort of understand where they came from? See, this is radical for me. I am this close to just not even discussing it anymore and saying, for this season, we're going to change the vision statement of this church. This season, I'm going to find money to pay for a billboard. I'm going to put aside money myself that says, New Hope Church, where God's opinion matters most. Excuse me, not where. Let me say it. Because that will be, listen, let me tell you how that will be perceived in the Bible Belt. That we have the final word on God. No. Making God's opinion matter most. I pray with about five versions. And what happens if people walk through the door and they see it plastered on the wall? Making God's opinion matter most. What does that mean? What if I were able to say, listen, I know that's a weird statement. It may not be the banner statement here forever, but it is right now. Why don't you ask anybody? As a matter of fact, see, about six or eight weeks now, from now, I'm going to expect everyone in this room to be able, if I were to say, hey, can anyone here meet with someone at the end, meet with me, and I'll be glad to explain to you what making God's opinion matter most means. What if we had hundreds of people raising their hand that says, yeah, talk to me. See, that, that's, that's what I want to talk about, okay? Now, John chapter 1, let's finish reading that just for the fun, then I'm going to stop and we're going to do this movie because it really is a cool point of framing it, and what a good last movie, and for reasons I'll tell you. In the beginning was the opinion, and the opinion was with God, and the opinion was God. Now, there's no doubt people watching who are going to email me and say, you just absolutely removed the, uh, the significance of the eternal Son of God and making him an opinion. That is not what I'm doing. Okay, let's keep going. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Now, go on to say that the word became flesh. The opinion of God became flesh. Now, when asked why I chose that word, I have said, I am looking for an incarnational container. What does that even mean? Listen, the word incarnation is the word that refers to Jesus, God, taking on flesh. Now, how many know that Jesus taking on flesh was for purposes of engaging mankind in a conversation of the potential of salvation and redemption? That is why God became flesh. Because there's all this misunderstanding. God says, just let me go down there and live among you a little bit and walk among you. And it was for purposes of engaging humanity in a conversation about God. That's not the final conversation because the Son in the flesh represents only one aspect of it, even though in Him the fullness of deity dwell. In the like fashion, I am not looking for my word or this word to be the final statement on God. For every one of these sentences, there are, there are thousands of pages written theologically and creedally concerning the glory of God and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and transformation and all that. What I'm looking to do is if some person, a brand new believer, a brand new person that doesn't even know Christ, 
suddenly you venture to say, hey, come and join me. I want to talk to you about something. Or they come to one of the next steps gatherings. And all of a sudden they are to start at the point that mercy is God refusing to join me in my opinion of me above his opinion of me. And then we say, now, join me here. We want to look at scripture. We want to look at James chapter 2. We want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. We want to look at James chapter 2 verse 13 that talks about mercy triumph over judgment. And what these 12 verses said. See, a whole class set aside where they'll have the chance to dialogue and discuss that. Matter of fact, what we're pushing for is to have every one of these done in about a 25-minute video format to where they can watch the video, then come into the class and start talking about it before they ever get to the gathering in the room. I am so, so excited about this. But see, what happens is when people walk through the door and they don't know anything about God talk, They do know, they have an assumption what the word opinion means. And it says, wow, God doesn't want to join me in my opinion of me. I wonder what that means. See, that that becomes a container. This is not the final statement of God. It just starts the conversation. That's what Jesus did in the flesh. He said, I want to restart the whole conversation now. It is the final opinion of God through a God of love that is holy coming on the cross. So you can tell my heart's overflowing and I've done what I said I wouldn't do for 10 or 15 minutes here. So let's get on with what we're looking at today. We're going to look at a movie that played in 2016. You'll hear a reference to 2015 in one of the clips. And this movie is pretty cool. It's called The Intern. And the reason it's so cool for us today here is that, see, we're a Pentecostal church. We're an Acts 2 church that says once the Spirit of God came, that the previous points of identity that would give us identity are the voices of culture that give us an opinion about us. There's a voice of, of, of culture. My mom is 92 years old. How many know by any estimation that's old? We're, we're making a, a joke. Where were we? You and I were standing. Uh, we were buying those little journals you wanted, okay? Her birthday was Friday, by the way. Happy birthday to you. Yeah. On her birthday, I said, what do you want to do? She says, uh, I want to go to like all these little stores and look for a new prayer journal. I, I would not say anything nearly that spiritual on my birthday if I had a request. You know, I'm thinking... Oh, I said, great. So we went around these places, we're checking out, and there was one of the girls that were, uh, young ladies that were uh, waiting on us, and, and we were checking out, and, and she said something, and the thing about birthday came up, said, it's her birthday, and she said, oh, really? She's 62 years old today. And she goes, no way. She says, listen, I'm not just, I'm not pretending, but, but no way. I said, yeah, I get that a lot, too, when I tell people my age, and uh, in fact, I never get that, you know. But the, 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 the opinion, and see, there, there are opinions, even when she looked, and for whatever reason, just the way we were talking, we were joking around and whatever. But there's opinions that come with age. And see, but it's not just for if you're older. There's opinions that come that it, it, if you say, where are you, David? I saw you sitting here somewhere earlier. I guess he's back out in children's ministry, okay? Um, the... Uh, how old are you, Caleb? 30? 34? Okay. Um, there's opinions, you know, if you're this old and someone 34, we just sort of think due to their experience or, 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 or whatever. How old are you, Mason? 19? Oh, you, you certainly can't do anything for God yet. You're just a... <laughs> Please, you're still wet behind the ears. Okay? Until you start reading the Bible. Until you start reading... And see, this whole, there is no stronger opinion about who we are than our status in life defined by age. Not even income. Not even our job. No stronger voice of opinion and voice of culture. This movie highlights that. It has two characters, one by uh, Anne Hathaway and one by Robert De Niro. Anne Hathaway is uh, um, um, Josie... uh, no, that's not her name. Jules Austin and Robert De Niro is Ben Whitaker. You're going to see because I refer to Ben and Jules. 
The setting for this, I'm, I'm going to give you the rundown on it real quickly, is that Jules has started a, an internet-based company 18 months earlier. It has exploded. She was the first employee, the only employee, and then 18 months later she has 220 employees and it's just exploding. Ben, on the other hand, you'll sort of hear the description. He is a widower. His wife has passed away in the not-too-far past. And you'll hear some of the disclosure about how he wrestles with that. But he's a retired vice president executive for a company that used to make phone books. Okay, And what you discover through the movie is this... Uh, and th- this uh, is that he ends up coming to work because they're looking for senior citizen interns to come in. And lo and behold, uh, her, bl- her blossoming, exploding business is in the very building that his now extinct phone company used to be. Now, there's several things going on in the backstory that I don't have time to play the clips of. But uh, what happens in, in, in the beginning is we understand there's a collision of irrelevance. You know, there is obviously the projection that you are, you came from a distant non-computer age, you're a dinosaur concerning Ben. But what's going on in the background is now the board of her business is saying, we need somebody other than you because you, this has outgrown your competency and we need to find a CEO. So to see the, the underneath it all, is sort of this whole thing of irrelevance uh, going on in the background. Let me see what I haven't told you. Uh, This movie is about discovering the power of a wrong opinion about ourselves and about others. Okay, I think I've given you the oversight. Uh, Amanda, if you would roll what was called title clip number two, I think. Just roll that. Okay. He's preparing for a video interview. So here I am, applying to be one of your interns, because the more I think about this idea, the more tremendous I think it is. I love the idea of having a place I can go every day. I want the connection, the excitement, I want to be challenged, and I guess I might even want to be needed. The tech stuff might take a bit to figure out. I had to call my nine-year-old grandson just to find out what a USB connector was. But I'll get there, eager to learn. Also, I want you to know I've been a company man all my life. I'm loyal, I'm trustworthy, and I'm good in a crisis. And I love that you're right here in Brooklyn. I've lived here all my life, and lately I feel I may not be hip enough to live in Brooklyn. So this could help with that too. I read once musicians don't retire. They stop when there's no more music in them. Well, I still have music in me. Absolutely positive about that. You still have music in you. Somebody shout amen. Come on. Hey. He shows up now for the interview. Hello. Hi. I'm Ben Whitaker. I received an email about an interview for a senior intern program. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's going good. Real good. Thank you. Excellent. Take a seat around the corner and someone from Talent Acquisition will come get you. Thank you. Talent Acquisition. couple of interviews today, Ben. We want to make sure that we both find the right fit. Business as usual is not really our motto, so we hope you have some fun here. This is the first time we're hiring senior interns, so some of our intern questions may not exactly fit your profile, but we're going to go for it anyway, okay? Fire away. Okay, good. Where'd you go to school? I went to Northwestern. Hey, my brother went to Northwestern. Probably not at the same time. Probably not. He graduated in 2009. Class of 65. <laughs> wow. What was your major? Do you remember? <laughs> and after Northwestern, you went on to... There's the opinion. for Dex One. Okay, and they made... Phone books. I was in charge of overseeing the printing of the physical phone book. I did that for over 20 years. And before that, I was a VP of sales and advertising. So, do they still make phone books? I mean, doesn't everyone just Google numbers? Well, I believe they do, but before Google, that was how you got it. Oh, no, no, yeah, I, I, I get it. So 40 years at the phone book company, that is amazing, seriously. Okay, Benjamin, now I'm gonna ask you one of our more telling questions for all of our interns, so I want you to, like, this is the one to really think about, okay, and, and take your time. Where do you see yourself in 10 years? Well, not me. Yeah, sure, yeah, whatever. Um, wait. 
did not realize you were 70. That's uh, that question just doesn't work for you, does it? Should we just scratch that one and just move on? Sure, cool, Justin. Okay, that one's gone. You look great, by the way, so great. And you're clearly more than qualified for this job. You're actually like way overqualified. And we were so impressed. You had great interviews, great video. You nailed it, Ben, congrats. You're an intern. Got one. Welcome, Ben. Your internship will be directly with our founder, Jules Austin. Oh, I'm in the photo studio. Floater, love. Hey, Ben, what'd you get? Looks like I'm gonna be a personal intern. Nice. Two? Jules Austin. Unfortunate. Hang in there. She's tough to work for. No one can hang with her. I have secured an appointment for you to meet with Jules Austin today at 3.55 p.m. Please be prompt as Jules has another meeting at 4 p.m. Hmm. That's perfect. Here comes Next the interview. I have a there at 5 o'clock. Um, no, wait. I booked with the vendor at 5.15. I'm sorry. I'll call you back. Yes. Hello. Hi, I'm Ben Whitaker. I have a 3.55 appointment with Miss Austin. 355? I thought she was meeting with her new intern. That's me. How you doing? <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, how are you an intern? It's a new senior intern program. It just started today. Oh my god. Um, how old are you? Seven. You? I'm 24. I know I look older, it's a job, it ages you, which won't be great in your case. <laughs> sorry. I actually thought you looked younger. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Any tips before I go in? Just talk fast. She hates slow talkers. Maybe that's just when I talk slow. Don't dawdle in any way. Just keep it moving and don't forget to blink. Blink? Yeah, she hates when people don't blink. It weirds her out. But it's 357. This meeting that she's in just took up like two of your five. They're out. You go. 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 Okay. Thanks. Go. Yeah. What? Oh, yeah. I'm here. Hi, Jules. I'm Ben, your new intern. I'm glad you also see the humor in this. Be hard not to. So, Ben. I was gonna say, what is a nice guy like you doing in a place like this? But camera gave me the girls. So can I just be honest with you? Please. I'm not gonna have a lot for you to do. That's the truth. And you being assigned to me is kind of just for me to set an example for the rest of the team. If you ask me, I think that you'd be much better off working in creative or marketing. It's a little bit slower pace, maybe a little bit easier to grasp. Watch, watch the blink. To transfer, we can make that happen. If that's what you prefer. You'll be happier, believe me. I am not so fun to work for. That's what I gather, but I can get along with anyone. And I'm here to learn about your world, give help where I can, so... So you don't want to transfer? Not really, sir. I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> Shoot me. Okay. Well, then, so you're stuck with me. Got a blink. I'm excited. I will email you when I have something for you to do. Or I can just stop by a few times a day, check in. I'll email you. Also, don't feel like you have to dress up. I mean, we're super cash here. I'm comfortable in a suit if it's okay. No, it's fine. Old school. Exactly. At least I'll stand out. I don't think I need a suit to do that. True. Well, I think we did it in less than two minutes. I'll wait to hear from you. Acts chapter 2, verses 17 and 18, read as follows, And it shall be in the last days that God says that I will pour forth of my Spirit on all mankind. Listen, your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Never too young to see, never too old to dream. Would you say that with me? Never too young to see, never too old to dream. One more time, loudly. Never too young to see, never too old to dream. Turn and say that to the person next to you. Go. See, I picked out my mom, who I can pick on at 92 years old. And I, I picked out Mason at 19, and I could have picked out even other people. I could have picked out children from our children's ministries who are just in the back out here. 
But here's, listen, here's whose opinion matters, and we don't believe it. The tragedy is we will get up from here today and we will walk back to our jobs and our life still influenced by the opinion of culture, the voices of our past, the screaming echoes of our points of failure, and even some of our successes will become the divining, defining, defining voices and opinions that ring in our heart. But what if people of New Hope Church, what if someone here should say, wait a minute, that doesn't have to be the case. Now where we're going to chase this rabbit back to is this is not some, well, Tom Sturbins has become one of those... um, uh, psychological hype me up, I can, I can, I think I can, uh, motivational speakers. See Jack Nicholson expression right then, you know, motivational speakers. I wish I could emulate him. That is not what's going on here. Because do not forget where this whole opinion thing started. It began with the consideration of spirit time. I'm going to be coming back to that. And the power of transformation. I wish I could just have everybody empty their minds, their hands, and go one by one and say, listen, do you really think there's a chance that you might step out and embrace the opinion of God that you're never too young to see and never too old to dream, that that is the work. He said, I will pour out my Holy Spirit. Do you understand? The work of the Holy Spirit is to come suddenly. It said he came in like a mighty rushing wind and the 120 in the upper room were suddenly pressed beyond the limits of everything culture that would, de- uh, every culture that would define him. In a matter of only a few chapters, they hear Peter, a fisherman, speak and they say, we perceive that you're an unlearned man, but you've been with Jesus. We perceive that the opinion of culture would put a fence around your ability to engage in dialogue at the level that you've been engaged in dialogue, but there's clearly some other voice and opinion you just finished listening to for three years that has pressed you beyond the boundary that we want to put in place. Listen to me. What happens when the Holy Spirit, who is that same Holy Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3, of transformation from glory to glory. And let me just drop this little seed for those of you that are students at the root meaning of doxa for glory. We say is essence, but the root meaning of that is an opinion, an opinion. And God glory is essentially God sharing with us. Listen, his opinion of himself. I need that written down. His opinion of himself. And then it begins to reflect in my life. You can already know that the definition of glory you have there will be different next week. All right? It's being transformed. (laughs) Okay. Listen. Listen. That this is rooted in something. So back to my question. What if you should leave here today and say, Father, matter of fact, what if we should stop right now? Father, there, there are opinions that are just on me. I don't even recognize them as being an opinion. I've just accepted them. They're part of the culture of the life of Tom, the world of Tom. They're how I perceive me to be. They're just there. They've been an opinion so long, I don't even recognize them as an opinion anymore because they're just a part of me. I need you, Lord, according to Hebrews chapter 4, to take the word, the opinion of God, that you said is a sharp scalpel that gets in between matters of soul and spirit and is a surgeon's knife, listen to me, to get in there where my soul is pushing back against the Spirit of God. Because what does the Spirit of God say? Acts chapter 2. You're never too young to see and never too old to dream. That's what the Spirit of God says. My soul says, that is, emotions, thoughts, and will. See, the soul is the container of every experience I've ever had. Every success, every failure, Doug, every voice, everything you've been. And we go to that because we're formed that way. And we listen to that voice of the soul. When there's a voice of the spirit that wants to rise up and say, 
mm, you've accepted an opinion. See, some of you live in relationships and marriages. You've been married a long time. And you both have shaped an opinion about your marriage that doesn't come from the word of God. It works for you. It works. But it's not God's opinion. You hang out together, you're not going to get a divorce. You're going to live together. But if you are asked, man, is, is, is this, you know, is it really this vibrant Garden of Eden blossoming thing going on? Well, probably not. But hey, she'll be there when I get home and fix me supper. Seriously? What if the Holy Spirit came into the upper room of our marriage and messed us up? And said, wait a minute, I still have a different opinion that's very different than the opinion you have about yourself and your marriage. What if that began to happen? And please hear me, I know what I'm about to say is more theological. Let me, let me just ask you this question. I said it two weeks ago. Oh, Lord, help me. How many want to come in here and see the manifested presence of the opinion of God? Hold on. As we begin to sing, I've seen you move, you move the mountains, or great is thy faithfulness, oh God, my Father, there is no shadow of turning in thee. And as we're singing songs, the glory of the Lord comes and fills the room. I just want to ask you, show of hands, how many want to experience that vibe? Okay, put your hands down. That's the glory of the Lord. How many know that? Say amen. amen. Now turn and tell somebody, say, what he's talking about is the glory of the Lord in real time. Turn and tell them that. Listen, God doesn't glorify himself through songs. Second Corinthians three, listen, I'm going to play that little YouTube video that's now got about 50 million views of this little kid talking to his mom. How many have ever seen, listen, Linda, raise your hand. Okay. See, only if you, I'm going to play it. Um, Chris, Amanda, Dan, somebody, Brenda, I need to play that video next week. And what it is, is just this little transparent video of a mother interacting with a three-year-old boy, and he's been busted doing something wrong, and he tries to reason with her, and what you can hear are the echoes of the uh, uh, argumentational logic path that he stood on the edge of and listened for his very long three-year life, which are the words of his father who never shows up in the video. And it's this, when she busts him and he doesn't want to own it because he wants to go on with what it was he got caught doing. He says, listen, Linda. And I'm going to play that for you next week. Now, listen, Linda, listen, okay? What would happen? See, because God says... I am glorified. I transform you from glory to glory to glory. What if next Sunday, I, I mean this, I, I really, man, I, I just wish I had a t-shirt and shorts and flip-flops on and you were the only person I was talking to in my living room right now or at the table. Tom, I really mean this. I really mean this as a guy who's been doing ministry for a few decades and we've done church pretty well, but it's always stayed somehow just beneath what I think God intends for the church. And, and so what if this week you would dare to listen to, to, to one thing where the opinion of God would triumph over an opinion you have of yourself. And by the time you got here next week, that was starting to become a new point of transformation where God was glorifying himself. Now watch this. See, you get a whole bunch of little glory candles in one place at one time. You say, that's only about 10 watts of glory. I don't know what measure. I just invented 10 watts. Piled into this place, and all of a sudden, you get a room full of little glory candles that said, I've been working on one thing, and God's been shining through it. Really? Yeah. Well, what was that? Well, you asked me to pray last Sunday about one area that I just accepted an opinion. 
And God challenged him. So what did you do this week? I found a black man and hugged him. So you don't want to laugh. That was a joke, but see, nobody's going to laugh. And the fact that you won't laugh is tragic. <laughs> you can say, well, and see, then somebody said, is that a big deal? For someone in this room, it may be. For me, not. But that's not my thing. For someone in this room, it's going to be a big deal as a husband when God says, and when you say, Lord, I, 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 I just want to find some way of sending a fresh start message and to my wife that I, I want me transformed in areas of our life and I've contributed to maybe our marriage. And so God would say to you sometime tonight about 6.30 or 7, well, I already spoke to you through the mouth of that preacher who told you a good starting place would be to go get a basin of water and a towel and a bar of soap and ask her to sit down in a chair and say, I'm not even sure how Jesus did it or what it means, but I want to be responsible the same way Jesus washed feet to wash off the residue of anything you've picked up along your way that I've put there. I don't even know what that means, but Jesus, I, I want you to wash it off. Whatever residue I've put on these feet in the path of our marriage, I don't even know what this means, Lord, but I want that to happen. See, what would happen if you did that? Your wife would faint, first of all. Come here, baby. I, 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 I'm going to, I just, I want to do what he said this morning. I, I don't care if it's original or not. I don't know. I, God, or maybe God may say something else to you, but do you understand what would happen when you come back in here next week and your wife's got a little glory candle that's about 50 watts that you gave her? Then suddenly there's this, this hope of transformation. See, 2 Corinthians, see, I've I'm, I'm lost my mind. 2 Corinthians says that glory is manifested primarily through one thing, me. In the Old Testament, same book of Corinthians, the temple was the place through which God would radiate his glory and the nation of Israel. In the New Testament, it says, don't you know your body is a temple of the Lord? I'm the temple. He wants to radiate through me. Again, what would happen next week? If you came in and the majority of you actually did show up before 1015, so that you were here for the first songs we sing, and you got the little glory candle in your hand that we didn't give you when you came through the door. You brought it with you. And you come in and you begin to sing. I've seen you move. And see, now your wife is singing that. I've seen you move last Sunday evening. I've seen you move. My husband washed my feet and prayed for me for the first time in 25 years. I'm not, I'm I'm not a stand-up comedian. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I'm desperate. I told you last week, I'm praying for transformation. I don't, I, I could tell you other points. I've done enough. I said enough. Okay, we can probably just quit right now. But um, uh, you know what else I, I learned in this movie is, is serving. The scenes you don't see. Go home and rent the movie. It's cheap right now. You can rent any of the pay per view. It's like three bucks or on Amazon for three bucks. Watch it. Okay. And what you'll see this guy does is his his experience is not a weakness and his age is not a weakness. It's a tool through which God and he be, works and he begins to counsel young men on manhood. Boy, are we missing spiritual fathers. I was watching that and I was thinking of Mike, Mike Walson. Now, he's going to hate me for this because he's very private. Mike, they just got to see who you are. Please, would you just stand for only five seconds? Would you just stand up? They need to see you for the statement I'm about to make and turn so they can see you. Okay. He is a big, scary guy. Now he's going to sit right down. <laughs> He's a big, scary guy, and I'm going to make sure I don't walk over there when I'm done because I just did the thing he hates more than anything. I thought of him. This guy, disciples, he doesn't call it that. Maybe he does. Young men. Young men that are at crossroad in trouble. He gives them a job. Now, you just saw him. He's this big guy with a beard. He does Viking discipleship. Come here, Mason. You shouldn't have sat on the front row. He does this, and you need to sort of bend down and act like I'm dragged. He grabs guys spiritually by the collar and said, essentially, idiot, you're listening to the wrong opinion of yourself. That was sort of like a Mr. T. That'd be a good character. Mr. T becomes Mike Walson or whatever, you know. He said, come here. Now, the guys he meets may not always want to walk, so act like I'm dragging you. He said, come here. Come here. This way. That way, fool. 
Okay, now, thank you. (laughs) We need spiritual fathers. And he grabs men at a crossroad that need that kind of in your face. I want to change my life. Okay, then get up on time. Come to work on time. You come here, I'll give you a job. You may not even be competent to do it, but I'm going to give you a starting job. And if you're faithful with that, we'll see what goes on. And he teaches and he walks with people. And it's sort of, I love that sort of Viking discipleship. Come here. You know, drags them. Because they need to go that way. Why? Because he enters a relationship meeting young men and essentially never says it this way. I have a higher opinion of what God put in you than you do of your own opinion of yourself. Now, between God and me, I'm going to smash your head up against it until you know I was just there. But what would happen? What would happen if those of us past 50 or 60 would say, I'm not going to let culture tell me that I am not valid because I don't have 5,000 friends on Facebook. Matter of fact, one of the things that happens in this movie is she helps him set up his Facebook page for the first time. So Brenda, be encouraged, sweetheart. The, um, <clears throat> I did that on purpose because I've threatened any staff member that does not have an active Facebook page. I said, in today's culture, you cannot be a pastor and not integrate with, and not interface at, at a digital level in social media. She has more confidence than my threats. <clears throat> and Facebook message her sometime at a moment when God whispers to your heart, probably between three and four years from now, she'll check it one more time and see you sent her a message and call you back and pray with you and it'll be God's perfect timing, I'm sure. Okay, end of sarcastic rhetoric. Did that give you a candle of glory? No, I know. <laughs> she says, you really need transformation. <laughs> so, hey, yeah, I know that. Now, what would happen? I'm, I, I, this is a bad day to be here. Tom, don't answer this question. Who, who've, who's, who have you picked out that's 30 or so that just needs to know how to walk in life? Right here is a great man. Amen. If you want to know how to walk in life. Tom, who do, who do you have going on? I know that you work with your grandson, so you, I know that you've got a family tribe you disciple. But who beyond that? I'm going I'm, to ask men here to do it. Who? Okay, let, let's just for the fun of it. <laughs> How can I end this? The power of serving. Here, this is important. You need to get this. I'm not going to read the scripture, but in Matthew 20, Jesus makes a statement because he's up against a cultural pushback. And it's the one where the sons, uh, the two sons of James and uh, the the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, their mother comes to Jesus and says, uh, what he says, what do you wish? It's just commanded in your kingdom. These two sons of mine may sit at your right and one at your left. These are full grown men, fishermen. How many know that's a really weak moment when your mother comes and said, Hey, can you give my boys a place here? It's like, mom, please. You know? All right. But Jesus answered and said, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? And then they answered and said, yeah, we're able. He said to them, my cup you drink, but to sit on my right and left is not mine, but the Father's to give. Now, and after hearing this, he be, they, all the others became indignant with the two brothers, clearly for jealousy, because they didn't think to ask it before they did. <laughs> Jesus called and said to them, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, that's culture. Let me re-say this. You know that the voice of culture tells us to lord things over others and to gain power. And their great men exercise this authority over them. But it's not that way among you. Whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. What you learn from this, mo- m- m- this movie is that a man who is at a place in life where culture is saying you one thing, he steps up in the confidence. And now let me build a preacher bridge here. Because this isn't about God and this isn't about the whispering of the Holy Spirit. But he hears another voice inside him. And he begins serving. He serves. Let me give you a a word that I'm not going to add any words to this, but this one is a threat to be added. Servanthood. Servanthood is this. The one who serves others will have the opinion that matters most. Jesus said, I came to be served, not, excuse me, not to be served, but to serve and be the payment. Give my life a ransom. That was the final statement on the cross. And because of that, His opinion trumps all others according to Philippians chapter 2. You want to have an opinion that matters? Serve somebody. I just picked on Mike Walston. You want to find these guys that he drags along and bangs their head up against the limitations of their own life? Just ask them, not long into it, whose opinion matters. And they'll tell you his does. But see what comes a point 
is he's ultimately pointing them to an opinion that matters more than his opinion. And that's God's opinion. And that's where we want to land. And so uh, there's a clip I wanted to play of where she has a wrong opinion of his strengths and then she sort of trashes him and gets him transferred and then in the same day discovers that he is this great strength. Go home and watch the movie. But I want to end this today right here. I'm done. Uh, Forgive me for chasing rabbits. I I can no longer ask and have any hope of ever telling you that I won't for the next several months. So you just got to get over it and roll with it. Father, burn on our heart this question. Whose opinion matters most? Lord, I'm looking into the face of people my age and young ladies and married couples. Lord, on Wednesday night when I talked to our students, I said, you're about to go back to school and you're going back to the opinion incubator of the universe. Do you have the right phone? Do you have the right clothes? Do you have the right friends? And the opinion of culture starts to scream. There are those here today who hears a screaming opinion because they've been molested, abandoned, abused, and taken advantage of. And the fear of their heart. What did I do with that paper? Let me borrow somebody's paper. Take your paper right now and look at it. We're going to break these down. Let's see. It's on the front side, I think. See fear? It's the only one I offer to Scripture, verse 2. Amanda, put up Psalms 56, verse 4, please. Psalm 56, verse 4. This is the only one in this list I, I offer to verse 2. The state of mind created by a deceived opinion of God's opinion of me. That's what creates fear. Now, we're going to talk when we actually study it about what fear looks like and what it does. Come on, guys. Give me just one more minute. Listen. For those of you that have been here, we started in Genesis 3, and we postulated verse 8. says, should read, and, and, and I built the case. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at spirit time. Spirit. Everybody say spirit. Now, and the spirit shows up there. But the spirit shows up on the other side of them already listening to a wrong opinion. <laughs> and so what we've said is Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, seven verses earlier. What if they would have said, when he says, well, let me talk to you about God's opinion. Did you know the adversary does the same exact thing with Jesus in Luke chapter 4 in the wilderness? Jesus, who is the second Adam, he slithers into him and he says, uh, hasn't God, you know, if you throw yourself down and Jesus crushes him with the opinion of God, he turns and says, it's written where this is no discussion. What would happen? What would happen this week if you turned in the face of an opinion and said, I don't care. Here's what God says. Fear. Okay? Fear is the state of mind created by a deceived opinion of God's opinion of me. I'm going to build a strong case for that. Look at Psalm 56 for sure. Let me show you something. Can you get that up there? Look at it. We're going to read it backwards. After we read it, in God, whose opinion I appraise, I, in God, I have put my trust and I will not be afraid. What can mere man do to me? Now, let's read that backwards. If I fail to put my trust in God's opinion, I will find myself in a place of fear because of the voice of men rising over the voice of God. You see that? Fear. Is what is the state of mind and the state of being that happens? Father, write on our hearts. Do something right here in this room today to break up that encrusted opinion that comes from, I don't know, failure, brokenness, hurt, pain, maybe even some success. Break that up in Jesus' name. Spirit time. Timothy is fearful. Paul says, listen. He says, I, me, excuse me, I, you, we. I love that counsel, Hans. 
He says, listen, I, I have walked it. We laid hands on you and now, or excuse I, we laid hands on you and for God has not given us a spirit, a Holy Spirit, that is a spirit of fear. Go read it. But God, that's right. But God has given us a spirit of power. God has given us a spirit of love. God has given us a spirit of a sound mind that can eject any other voice of opinion. And you know, young Timothy, the problem was, is that mankind didn't wait for spirit time to hear what he had to say. They acted on their own opinion and the opinion of the voice of culture, and they found themselves on the other side of God's opinion. But the spirit that would have shown up and looked Adam and Eve in the face and say, I am not a spirit of fear or one that shrinks back. That's nowhere in my DNA and nothing I'm putting in you. Watch this. And the only way you will ever be in a place of fear is if you're separated from my opinion. Because you're listening to the opinion of some, It's everywhere in Scripture. Father, change our homes. Transform our lives, our minds, our thinking, our values, our perceptions of ourself. I love you. And I praise you and I bless you. And I worship you. And I pray already for our students who are going back to school in an opinion incubator. It starts in elementary school, Lord. It explodes and begins to work in middle school and just absolutely blows up as they get to high school. Then we move into life with these echoes of opinions that are never what you intended for us to be. I ask it in your name. Amen. Come on, let's stand up. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Your faithfulness, oh Lord. While we were worshiping today, I'm asking God to birth songs here about that. The little lyric says, I've made a choice. I've made a choice. I've made a choice about the voice I'm going to listen to. I've made a choice about the voice. Lord, I pray for glory candles to come back in here next week. I pray for the worship to just suddenly go to a whole new level. And it's not because the band's any better. Dan is any more anointed. It's because glory candles came in the door. We didn't give them to them and distribute them when they walked through. I love you. And I praise you. And I worship you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for the New Hope Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast or other resources, visit newhopeonline.com.